0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are here to review Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 16, Preludes. Like always, I'm here Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, slash Trekkie, Cal Jones. Cal, how you doing, man?
1: You know what? I am thankful to be back talking Trek with you. As always, I'm always happy, whether it's Trek, who, or something else. As you know, I'm thankful to talk with you. So, happy to be here.
0: We're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Prodigy Preludes, which was written by the entire Star Trek Prodigy writer's room. The episode was directed by Stephen Chang and Sung Shin. A Starfleet admiral digs into the past of the Protostar crew. Meanwhile,
1: the diviner recalls his life's mission. For everyone listening, if you have not seen this episode titled Preludes, Put us on pause, go out, watch it, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers.
0: Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy I undo
1: At ease before you sprain something.
0: The spoiler warning has been dropped. And like always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Quite frankly, you never know. Mr.
1: Jones, what do you have for us this week? Short and sweet this week. Here we go. Once upon a future, everyone has a story to tell. Mm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And let me just go ahead and give some additional thoughts
0: from me. And I'm going to go right back to you, Mr. Jones. But as for me, this episode was sort of what we've been looking for since the season started. We're getting those nuggets of information that we've been Clamoring for since the beginning as to the why and the what is going on in Prodigy, and it was very much laid out to us here. We also get some great information on backstories, in addition to the Diviner, to some of the other Protostar crew. So I was loving all of that. And coming off of a great cliffhanger from the last episode, we end on yet another great cliffhanger. So for me, I thought this was an excellent episode. It was thorough as it did tell stories from our characters, but ultimately I think it's
1: the leap we needed to get to where we're going. What do you think, Cal Jones? Additional thoughts? So let me give you a little prelude to my, specifically a pun intended there, but a little prelude to my thoughts on this episode and give you some insight where I said I was confused. So I sat down tonight to get ready to review this and I got home about 7 15 this is 8 11 p.m. as us recording right now so a little bit less than an hour ago so I sat down got ready to watch and I said oh let me just go back and watch just a little bit of this again now let me say also since I knew that we were behind I purposely haven't been watching the episodes that have come out because I wanted them to be so fresh and I wanted to only have the episode (laughs) that we were talking about in my mind so that I wouldn't accidentally talk about something and foreshadow accidentally. So when I started watching this, I'm like, this isn't what I'm thinking. I haven't (laughs) seen this because I didn't realize that you had done a one-off with yourself (laughs) of the And I'm like, so I went to discussingtrek.com. I look it up and I'm like, did I miss an episode? And I start going back (laughs) through my calendar looking to see if I, and then finally I was like, let me just watch it because I haven't seen it. That said, I agree with everything you said. It was a fun episode. It did fill in the blanks a lot of history that we didn't know about these characters, but they did it in a way that came across organic. It didn't feel cheesy to me. It felt just part of this is a moment to tell your stories. And it didn't just feel like an interlude. It was literally more of a prelude.
0: Yeah. A prelude that's definitely pushing the story forward. We left off at the end of, masquerade the previous episode the episode in which dal finds out he's genetically engineered we end that episode with a scene of ensign Ascensia revealing that she is from a, a val as well just like the diviner so we end the last episode on that cliffhanger and we come directly into this episode preludes which a prelude is an action or event serving as an introduction to something more substantial, if you didn't know. Mm. So as our ProtoStar crew remains in the neutral zone, the question now is, who are these ragtag group of misfits? And of course, we've gotten plenty of backstory of, of Dal and Gwen, but this episode is an opportunity to explore some of the other characters a bit more as Janeway tries to do the same as she gets a transmission That kind of gives a little more information about, uh, for her anyway, about the the, the crew of the Protostar that they have been on this wanted list that was sent out by someone called the Diviner. So that's kind of where we're starting this episode. And, you know, just a beautiful setup for what we're going to get with these backstories. And we start with the crew again in the neutral zone attempting to fix their auxiliary warp drive so they can proto jump out of here. And we start to get stories of the crew's past. Again, we know about Dal, we know about Gwen, but the other characters, not so much. So let's start with Rock Talk, the monster and the hero. <laughs> and I guess what happens when the monster fights back? What did you think about the Rock Talk backstory? Is this kind of what you ev- envisioned might be a bit of a backstory? Did you did you play something in your head that was totally different
1: than what we got on screen? Interesting question. I really didn't know what to expect from the you know her backstory because this is such a unique character to me that you've got this female small child that looks visually like this big menacing monster, this very lovable, cuddly type personality with a body that's you know doesn't come across as cuddly and it goes into the perfect analogy of judging a book by its cover and that's yes. that's perfect for her that said i love the interaction where she's playing the monster but then has the light bulb moment that she is perceived not for what she's playing but the character that you know she's perceived as that yeah and i think on so many levels you know you talk about celebrities where people don't see the person they really are. They see them as the celebrity that the media has made them. So there's so many levels and layers that you could rip back from that. But I love the fact, one other thing that I'll say about that is, I love the fact that just with anything, if it's not making money, it Mm -hmm. goes away. Yeah, And that's what happened with there, you know, with that story. Money wasn't being made anymore, so she had to go away.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to me that how as long as she was conforming to what the hero wanted her to do, (laughs) she would get her bowl of food and she'd just go on and do these sort of uh, stage performances to where she would lose as the monster and the hero would win. You know, everybody wants to see the hero win. But as the hero was kind of, you know, one-upped by her in the very end of their story that he, he wasn't having it no more. Again, wasn't making money. Or either that or just his ego or his pride got in the way. And we see a Kazan taking her off to Tars Nomura. So to mm. me, it just felt like I- as long as I'm doing exactly what you want, everything is all gravy. Everything is good. But the moment I step out of bounds of of, of your rule, and especially, I mean, she was eating. She was living. So I guess she was fine. But- it didn't seem like a, a perfect circumstance for for that character to be in.
1: So let me ask this question: you you posed it in a different point of view than I did. So I'm curious here: do you see the hero and her as compatriots being held by the Kazan, or do you see as you present? Well, obviously. As you presented it with him, it's kind of in control with her there for him. Good question, because honestly,
0: I didn't see it the other way until you explained it. So what you're saying is maybe more of like a a Thor Ragnarok situation where they're both kind of. In prison and they have to put on this show to make money for whoever's over them. It could be that
1: that that might be what what it actually is. Uh, Let me tell you why I thought that was when they started doing the fight, started doing the ad lib. It's brief, but there is a moment before they continue and doing this almost three stooges type, (laughs) you know, physical comedy where the hero character looks at her, and I think he gives her a wink, like a nod, keep going. And that's what made me think, okay, he was happy for that. He was fine with that. He didn't always have to win. But then I saw that scene where the Kazan are getting money, and I'm like, okay, you're not making them the money.
0: Yeah, and of course, they, they did show a scene where there were some people overlooking the arena, Yes. So, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think your point of view of that is is definitely on point. Also, goes back to some Tos episodes. There's one one Tos episode in particular where there's this whole planet that didn't evolve really from, I guess, the Roman times, and they still had gladiators. <laughs> they were like on TV doing gladiator stuff, and and it was kind of that same thing where these people were subjugated and had to fight in order to please the man and and make money. So. Yeah, I definitely get your point of view on that, and I think you're spot on. I really think you're spot on. Getting into Zero's backstory, not a whole lot to say here except they were kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. And again, I guess you had Kazan's trying to make a little buck, <laughs> and, and and they go off and 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 capture Zero, who's who's left by the rest of her uh, Medusans. Which you know, simple story, but I still thought it was kind of cool.
1: The interesting thing that I found about that was, and you're right, you know, it wasn't earth shattering or didn't have any revolutionary or didn't give us any revelations, but I did like that it ended with Gwen and then it shifted with from Gwen then to Gwen now. And it was a good way to show this is a children's show. But look how far the characters have progressed just in what we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, definitely. I want to talk about, I guess, of the crew that we got extra information of, I think maybe Jenga Poggs was probably the most substantial to me personally. I just find it interesting that we get this whole lore of the Tellarites sending their orphans off into deep space for exploration <laughs> it was just bananas if you think about it, but also pretty cool. And it kind of mirrors some of the stuff, you know, we... We got with with Khan, of course, he wasn't sent off as a child, but genetically engineered we're sending them away. But it's still sort of the same thing. They were sent off in this ship out into deep space as part of what the Tellarites did to their orphan population. You know, I thought there was a really cool piece of lore to build in. But oh, my God, we have all these movies where this one character is on the ship alone or on a planet alone and they have to kind of solve the situation How did you think Jankam Pog did in this situation as
1: the lone, woken (laughs) Tellerite on this, on this ship? I love how he kept saying, wake somebody else up, wake somebody else up, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I, I just think he was him. I think he was Jankam Pog. I mean, I even almost ended my, everyone has a story to tell just like Jankam Pog does Jankam Pog or something like that. But yeah, he was just him. I, I don't think he put much thought into it because that's just him. He does what he does. Yeah,
0: his way of doing things as far as what we've seen so far on Tarzan and also on the Protostar has been a very unorthodox method of engineering. <laughs> and we get the explanation of why he's so unorthodox is that he was thrown into that situation and sort of like Rock Talk had to at the certain point of the season, he had to become an engineer. He had to uh, it was trial by trial by fire, so to speak. Of course, he he had to have some natural talent because he was able to fix things. But, yeah, he was kind of just thrown into the deep end and, and using his very uh, untrained, unorthodox methods. He was able to fix the ship and actually having to make a sacrifice body in there to save the rest of the people that were on his uh, transport ship. So a really cool sacrifice story for him. And like all of these stories, a good way to see why the characters are like they are now. Again, a good story for him that we can kind of, of piggyback off of going forward to to see where his character goes.
1: And you know what? This is another way of telling the character of a character. And what I mean by that is theoretically he could have, if he wanted to, Maybe the AI or the robot could have stopped him. But if there was only so much oxygen for 29 and there were 30, he could have taken another pod and taken another pod or two and jettisoned those pods and kept himself on there. Yeah. But he didn't.
0: Yep. Definitely made a sacrifice there. By the end of it, they turn around and ask Janeway, what's her story? Hologram Janeway, what's her story? Now, they didn't actually go into it, but they did give us this little tip of the iceberg of the story she was about to tell. And I just smiled so hard when she said, well, now, have I ever told you about Molly, the runt of my litter? (laughs) And and for Voyager fans, of course, we know
1: who Molly is. So that was um, freaking amazing. So here's what made me smile about that. I didn't. I knew she loved coffee. I mean, and I loved Janeway. And I knew she had a dog. I had no idea what the dog's name was. But when she said the name, I said, oh, that's her dog. Yeah. So cool. So cool.
0: And I, I'm trying to remember, do we ever see Molly? We may have seen her on like a, a
1: holiday. or something. I don't remember seeing Molly. Okay. I think we saw Molly on the first episode. We see her husband slash fiance slash significant mm-hmm. other with the dog. I think. In the first episode, caretaker. I think oh, I may man. be wrong, that's cool. but I but I think I I think that's when we saw the dog.
0: Following up on the big reveal of masquerade, that ascensia Ensign ascensia is a a Varnacot, aka like the diviner, and we get this whole story about how she is there and how the rest of the Varnacot got to be in this timeline and. I just found it so interesting that once again, (laughs) once again, Chakotay gets lost in the Delta Quadrant (laughs) thoughts on this trip to the future via wormhole and also the Terminator-like turn of events once they make it there. Just just thoughts here, because I thought this was just like just some excellent storytelling and what really made the episode for me. Thoughts?
1: So I liked it. I was more curious on and again i haven't seen what comes next but i was more curious slash worried as to what or where he ends up less than i was about how he got there because i was thinking okay are they saying that he's no longer alive are they saying you know what are they saying i focused a little bit more on oh cool chakotay
0: yeah it's it's just interesting of how we we've been we've already learned that the these people the the diviners race have already disavowed the federation and what they did that actually caused their planet to be destroyed the survivors are are trying to set the past right by using the the, the same means that Chicote came to the future using that wormhole to go into the past to to actually destroy the federation and, and we, I mean, this is important, an important point to learn how this construct actually got aboard the protostar and how it actually got stranded because Jacote sent it back through the wormhole and it just got, I guess, got lodged on Tars Lamor and lost on Tars Lamor. We learned that the Diviner's been there 20 years to try to figure out where it is to actually destroy the Federation and also that Enten Ascentia or. What do we call her? It wasn't the diviner
1: he gave her a name. The Vindicator.
0: The Vindicator, yeah. <laughs> we found out that she's been there three years, so very much timey-wimey when they're going through this wormhole. They didn't all pop out at the same point in time. So we may have the Von literally scattered all throughout time <laughs> somewhere along this timeline, which I find very interesting because we don't know how many are here right now or how many have been here way before, because whenever they came out the, out of the, I think they said 100 ships? I think so, yes. Yeah, and we don't know when they dropped out of the anomaly, so I find it very interesting. It made me think, where in the future in the Delta Quadrant is Chicote? And I, I had to uh, think of it just a little bit about, what if he's like somewhere in the future where like Discovery is or something. That would be really cool to see him pop up on Discovery.
1: That would be very cool. And I would, you know, I keep hearing rumors that they're going to possibly do a live action after Picard wraps. Instead of having Picard, they'll have Janeway. Mm, I hope so. I would love that. I think that would be brilliant, especially having done this and introduced Admiral Janeway. I just think that that would be freaking awesome. That said, you know, this is a bigger thought that I'm about to have beyond this particular story. But I think this goes into another example of the Federation going somewhere and making their first contact, making their second contact, but then becoming that mm. third party and says, mm, OK, it's up to you. You, get, yeah. you guys get to decide what you want to do. We've already made contact. We've but we're not going to influence you when they already have by first contact.
0: Yes. It's like you you gave me all these tools. You gave me all these these cool ideas of the future, what it could happen and what could be. And even maybe in some cases, let us uh, get after joining the Federation, have interest in some of your technology or whatever, whatever it is, how they influence the planet. And if, if they don't, follow, and I know they don't give technology by default, but if the planet becomes a member of the Federation, obviously at that point, they can exchange technology, but how they influence these, these planets, these race of people, and they may be nowhere to, to be found. And, uh, (laughs) I I don't know if you finished watching Lower Decks, but they had another mission for the Cerritos, which I think is drive by is what they called it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And, and that was just their idea of instead of second contact, which immediately takes place after first contact, drive by would just be let's just drive by and see how this race of uh, this planet that people are doing. And they even had an example in this season of, of one that didn't go so well. Very similar, very similar to what happens to uh, maybe what happens to
1: the, the Divide Race. But you know what? I, with me not being a fan of Lower Decks, I will actually say that that is a perfect Example of what I'm trying to say is they do sometimes make it feel like it is a drive-by. It's just a well, we're going to check this box and whatever, and it's up to you. I just, I, I don't know. I just kind of have a problem with the we're not going to influence you when, you when yet we've already influenced.
0: That's just yes, weird yeah, to me. That's crazy. But again, a hundred ships went back to the past. One ship, one dreadnought. Uh, uh, one person from this group they call the Order. So I found uh, all that pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So again, I hope we get some tie in in the future with maybe where Chakotay is, and yeah, can't wait to see how all of that unfolds. And as Janeway, as we end this episode, Janeway begins to put the pieces together. This wanted list, which is the crew of the Protostar that was issued by the Diviner, she puts it together and. We get to the point of where she just starts to meld all this information together, and she tries to find out what the diviner is aboard uh, her ship. and And as she goes to check it out, sees incandescentia's true form before being knocked out. And that's kind of where we end the episode. So yeah, just a good springboard to what we're going to get for the next episode. And uh, as for me, I, I thought this was just a great, another great entry into uh, Star Trek Prodigy.
1: So here's what I thought on that. I agree with what you just said, but I've been speculating that where we were going to have a showdown between Admiral Janeway and hologram Janeway. I'm wrong because this episode kind of diffuses and disputes that in the sense of Janeway discovers that these aren't criminals. They're kids, Yeah, you know, that were not necessarily in the wrong place at the wrong time, but got embroiled in something that was above their heads and they're just making do. So they've in that moment for me and her mindset, they've transformed from being these criminals that we have to destroy and stop or stop and, you know, apprehend to let's go a different route. And then of course we have the cliffhanger that we have at the end. Yeah. And before we kind of wrap up and give our
0: ratings for the episode, I want to ask you, is this whole thing just a bit too close to the Terminator storyline?
1: I don't know, because I've not seen, but maybe one Terminator of all the Terminator films. Well,
0: the basic premise of the Terminator of going into the past to correct the future, mm-hmm, that is core. You know, that's what Terminator is. Yeah,
1: I see where, I, okay, I see where you're going, but that could also, I think, be said of any time travel yeah. story. Yeah, You know? Sure. Um, I think where they are succeeding in this is you're giving us a set of characters that we actually care about, so it becomes less of this is a trope that's being used to what's going to happen to our characters. If that is where, we're, and that's how I'm looking at it, and that's what I think is the success. It may very well be another carbon copy of the Terminator, but. I care about these characters.
0: Yep, 100%.
1: And with that, Cal Jones, I ask you, what is your rating for preludes? Let me see. One Janeway, two Janeway. Characters that I like, Chakotay, and great storytelling. I think I gave you one, two, three, four, five, five four, five. Five different things. Five out of five. <laughs> yes, sir. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I thought the
0: information dump... That we get on this episode is just something we've been waiting for the whole season, you know. And I like the different backstory for the different characters, the enormity of finding out what happened to Chakotay. He goes to the future. That's freaking cool through a wormhole, no doubt. He once again gets lost in the Delta Quadrant. Sorry, Chakotay, but somewhere in the future. So it's added layer. <laughs> it's added layer on top of that. So yeah, that 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 all just had me smiling. So. Yeah, I, I love what they've done with the story with Chikote and even kind of the complexity they built on top of what what the Valnicott are and the Diviner and and the Solomon, all, all, of, all of that with their story and their effort to correct their future or their present for them by going to the past. I thought all of that was just excellently done. And and as always, can't wait to see what they go with this in the future you guys listening, what are your thoughts on Preludes? If you have anything to say about this episode or any episode we've reviewed, please send that in to fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up at discussingtrek on any and all social medias. No Trek trivia for the day. We will pick that up as John gets back on the podcast. And we'll say harsh and minds to him. He's okay, but he was in a bit of a fender bender hearts and minds to him and his family and he's making a speedy recovery so we can't wait to have him back on the podcast indeed so until next time guys live long and prosper